1: Hello and welcome. You're watching Destination Draft Day. I'm your host, Michael Rockman, here with another great episode for what should be everyone's favorite time of year. The NFL finally kicked off yesterday, opening weekend this weekend. We got college football back as well. We are in for a great episode. We are in for a great weekend. But first and foremost, let me welcome in my co-host, Nick Durst. Nick, how's it going? Michael, I'm doing well. Rutgers
2: comes out, puts up 61 points last weekend, so they're gearing up for a big year in the Big Ten. And last night, we had a great game to kick off the season. And my buddy, Rob Gronkowski, showing why he's the best tight end of all time. Uh, Maybe he'll get hurt this year, but... You know, I've said in some other shows I've been on recently for fantasy purposes, you you might want Gronkowski because he's going to get a lot of looks in the red zone. He's going to get a lot of touchdowns. Um, He made a great read, um, you know, with the block last night and then getting open for the touchdown. And I guess some people forgot, but Antonio Brown is still one of the best wide receivers in football and looks like he's going to have a tremendous year as the Buccaneers win and Mike Evans really didn't do much. And if, for fantasy purposes, you probably don't want anybody on the Buccaneers on your roster other than Tom Brady, because it's going to be one week. This guy's going to be hot next week. Nobody is going to throw to him or whatever, but uh, Bucks look good. Um, Cowboys look good too. A couple of missed field goals, PAT. Uh, Cowboys are definitely going to be a contender in the, in the NFC East this year. Buccaneers, again, I think I've been saying that I think they're gonna easily win the the NFC South, uh, which I think is gonna hurt them a bit in the playoffs. They're gonna be a little complacent. Um, maybe they'll take the foot off the, the gas at the end of the season. Uh that'll be the opposite of the Jets. There'll be some break, and that'll guess. Um and you know, maybe that opens opportunity for another team to having to be playing more sharply uh going into the playoffs. So I think it's really tough to say the Buccaneers are going to repeat, uh, but they, they looked good, uh, but the Cowboys looked good as well, but ultimately there's only one winner. And that, of course, was the temporary Buccaneers, which we predicted would happen last night.
1: Yeah, and I think one really important part of this Bucs game last night was that there were so many turnovers, and they were still able to put up 31 points. You know, the Leonard Fournette fumble, the Chris Godwin fumble, they could have very easily broken into 40, And that offensive firepower is going to be difficult to contain all season. You know, Antonio Brown, like you said, looks like he could very easily potentially be the best wide receiver in that room. And with the room with Chris Godwin, with the room with Mike Evans, that's extremely impressive. And then it doesn't stop after that. There's Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson. There's, weapons galore in Tampa Bay, and then, you know, at the tight end position, there's three deep that could probably start all around the NFL. The running back room, obviously, you know, Gio Bernard, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, maybe not top-end talents, but still very good running running back stable right there in Tampa, so the offense is certainly exciting. The defense, you know, seems like there's a little bit of a cornerback depth issue, and, you know, they need to get healthy at that position and make sure their secondary stays up and strong, but It's hard not to think Tampa could very easily repeat because, well, maybe they aren't your definite pick. I think uh, you got to at least consider that they are a very legit contender. NFC
2: championship game, I think you kind of mark them in right now. Um, Hard to get against Brady if he's in that situation. Um, I think that the Packers are going to challenge them for that one seed. The one seed is going to be crucial. The only buy—that's where the home game is going to be. Didn't really help the Packers that much last year, but maybe this year would be different. Full capacity there. Um, looking at the Buccaneers' schedule, Michael—they do not play another team that was over five hundred last season until Week Eleven when they play the Chiefs. I think there's a great shot going into that game. The Bucs could be ten and up. or there's a buy, but they could be undefeated.
1: Yeah, they—they they have a little bit of struggles on the schedule just i mean they play falcons which should be a pretty fairly easy one but then they go against the rams patriots dolphins that's going to be a little bit of a tough stretch i think there's certainly room for hiccups and we've seen the bucks kind of underperform <laughs> last year you know they struggled against teams like the giants teams like the bears led by nick Foles or trubisky i'm not sure who was the starting qb that game but there's just there's just those games where you know maybe it's not all there so I could see the Bucks having some slippage, maybe not putting up this dominant season, but I do think that they are going to be very strong come playoff time.
2: How weird was it for you to watch Vladimir Fortnite in number 7 running last night? My eyes were like, what's going on here? And some defensive guys were on like number 9. It's going
1: to take some time to get used to. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm huge on college football, so there's like some degree of used to it i guess but right. still it's it's strange seeing it at the nfl level uh i'm an old head i guess because I, I don't like it i, I kind of enjoyed the old way but it doesn't really matter that much i'm not someone who's going to be like angry about it but definitely uh definitely gonna be yeah. a little i bit think you know
2: be cool be, we'll level. be more used to it in years to come because if it's like a big college star they'll likely keep their same number right now it's kind of like a shock because it's like we're used to seeing Fournette like number twenty-seven, and now all of a sudden he's wearing number seven. So it's like we're we're, we're conditioned to know who's in there and what, not you know, quite know people's
1: numbers. So it was it was very interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's really strange, especially for someone like Patrick Peterson, who's been number twenty-one his whole career. You know, made like a legacy out of him. Then he's going to Minnesota, which is already strange seeing him in a new uniform and then he's wearing number seven like his LSU days. So. You know, a little strange. It's going to be a little, little bit of time to get used to it, but definitely, uh, definitely something that I think, like you said, in time, it'll be something easy to to process.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, we'll
2: talk about some games this weekend later on. Let's talk about a little college football. What happened the past week? Obviously, we're off Monday. Michael, our UCLA pick is looking really good right now.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. They they went in against LSU in a game where a lot of people expected lsu to take it and they just established that game pretty easily i think there's plenty of potential here with this ucla roster they have so much ability in the ground game that kind of gives them a huge advantage dorian thompson robinson you know it's still a little raw still a little unrefined and i think we're gonna see some games where maybe ucla needs to depend on him and he's gonna have to answer and we'll see what happens but you know, Greg Dulcich at tight end is an absolute stud. The offensive line has gotten things going, and the defense has played extremely well. So I, I like UCLA's chances in the Pac-12. You know, I know you and me were kind of going out on a limb with that pick, but now it's looking a lot stronger. And, you know, even with a team like Oregon, if if they're struggling uh, without Kayvon Thibodeau, then this division or this conference really opens up, and it becomes kind of goes from a what was perceived as a four-team race probably – for us in that off season with Washington, Oregon, USC, and UCLA, and Washington just lost to Montana. So not looking good for the Huskies. Now it kind of comes down to a three team race and we'll see what happens from there, but I still very much like the Bruins. Absolutely. Then we have
2: two big upsets. Uh, One more of an upset than the other ACC. It's up for grabs now. Clemson loses a game to Georgia And I don't know what happened, but UNC, I mean, you kind of predicted this. You said, you know, there's not many offensive weapons there, and they don't really score us. They lose 17-10 to Virginia Tech. Um, This has got to be making uh, Miami happy. But the Miami lost, too. So right now it's it's up for grabs there in the ACC. Um, I think Clemson still gets it done with one win, but then you have to question – is a one win Clemson going to get into the college football playoff over an undefeated UCLA? Uh, or maybe an uh, undefeated Notre Dame who was in the game of the weekend uh, in overtime. They pulled out the win. Uh, Sunday night football, college football, they beat Florida State. Um, and the big story there was also Mackenzie Milton getting back. On the field for the first time in a few years. So your thoughts on the crazy ACC and that Notre Dame, Florida state, which of course has to do with ACC as well.
1: Yeah. So it's tough to really gauge what's going to happen here. Clemson obviously was my championship pick. I thought that they were going to come out and just really show off some great talent. I think the lack of established run game is really the big issue for Clemson right now. DJ, we we uh obviously just wasn't getting going against George's dominant defense. And Clemson's defense held strong as well, didn't allow a touchdown. The only touchdown came from George's defense. So, you know, it's it's a tough, tough situation to gauge. I obviously assume that Clemson's gonna get going a little bit better in these next coming weeks against opponents that aren't up to George's caliber. But what happens if we're looking at this situation in the SEC later down the road and we have a one lost Georgia, one lost AM, and m undefeated Alabama. And we're looking at this saying, are we going to have three SEC teams? And I know a lot of people would scoff at the idea. A lot of people would say, no way, you know, this isn't what happens for college football. There's a reason that there's only a limited four spots because we don't want all these teams from one conference just getting in despite not winning the conference. But if you're looking around at this schedule, you know, Let's say A&M loses to Alabama. Alabama goes undefeated, but Alabama beats Georgia, who's maybe also undefeated. Let me make sure the schedule works out. But, you know, there's very easily. Yeah, they, they would face where, Georgia in the, uh, the title game. Yeah, there's very easily a way where this could happen now. And I think it's realistically something that we need to consider because if Georgia just beat Clemson, you aren't putting Clemson with one loss over a one-loss Georgia. You aren't putting right. a... Oklahoma team that struggled if they lose a game over Georgia you aren't putting a Ohio State team if they slip up to let's say Maryland or Penn State or Purdue or something like that you aren't going to put them over a one loss Georgia that lost Alabama so the SEC could very easily claim three spots in this playoff this year if things really do continue obviously college football chaos will likely take care of it to where you know Georgia slips up and loses to a game like Auburn or Florida or something like that. Or we'll see Georgia blow it against some of these – or not Georgia, uh, A&M loses in a random game uh, and they just right. aren't able to really make that case. But right now – Ideally
2: what you want to see is every is that there is no undefeated team in the SEC because that would be really interesting to see how that would go if you have a one-loss Alabama, one-loss A&M – and a one-loss Georgia, obviously the SEC winner would get in, but then it's like, you know, like you're saying, it's a one-loss Alabama, um, not going to get in over a one-loss division winner. Um, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, right now, if I had to predict the playoff field, I would assume that we're going to see – probably Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. But at that same time... Taking Oklahoma out? I'm leaving Oklahoma out right now because of the issues that they had against Tulane. I think Tulane was extremely underrated in that game. I thought, I was telling everyone that negative 31 point spread was ridiculous. Uh, That's free money in my opinion because Michael Pratt is a phenomenal quarterback. They have pieces like Jeffrey Johnson on the defense that are going to create havoc. But at the same time, You know, you look around and are they going to be able to really win all their games against a tough Big 12? You know, maybe a TCU is able to create some issues. Maybe a team like Iowa State, that also had their struggles against Northern Iowa, is going to bounce back and really create some chaos. Maybe a team like Texas, that looked pretty strong against Louisiana in that second half and could potentially cause some chaos. So, right now, I'm going to assume that one of Oklahoma and Ohio State slip up and they're snubbed from this. But I think that argument of is A&M really worse than a conference champ from a conference that isn't on the same level as the SEC right now, and it's going to create some playoff controversy. It's going to create a lot of angry people, whether that's A&M fans or whether that's people who hate the SEC. But it's going to be quite some quite interesting, and I could see a lot of teams having just one loss, probably like maybe three that are battling for that final spot, and two are very upset that they got left out. Right. You could probably make the argument that a one-loss
2: Alabama, A&M, or Georgia are all better than an undefeated Notre Dame. But if Notre Dame goes undefeated and looks like they got their hardest game out of the way here to start things off, then they're going to get it. That's how it's always been with the college football playoff. Undefeated Notre Dame gets in, then they get beaten. Um, Their schedule is pretty tough, though, this year, Michael, um, despite the fact that they're not doing the typical ACC schedule. Uh, but for them, you know, they're, they're seeing all these big guns in the ACC losing, including them beating one. That's, that's a, a window of opportunity for them.
1: Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that they got their hardest game out of the way just yet. Cause they still have Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Virginia tech, USC, North Carolina, even teams like Georgia tech and Purdue, I think have enough firepower to where they can create some chaos. Virginia tech, obviously just beat North Carolina. So I think Notre Dame has it cut out for them, and if they're undefeated at the end of it, then yeah, I think they definitely deserve a chance to at least be in consideration for that playoff. I assume an undefeated Notre Dame would get in, like you said, but uh, yeah, I think they have a very long road to go. And Florida State, it's it's tough to gauge because it's that first week game, and you know we could just be overrating Notre Dame, but Florida State looked pretty good with all their transfers in there. Uh, The offense had some impressive players. Deshaun Corbin is a very fun running back. I think Jordan Travis gets going a little bit better as the season goes along. Maybe Mackenzie Milton takes over that job. Who knows? But I think the defense showed some nice improvements, especially with, you know, guys like Jermaine Johnson outside on the edge. Uh, But it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to Notre Dame with the season. And I think they have one of the tougher schedules in college football.
2: Definitely a tough one. Um, Looking at the the Pac-12 here, I think you got to circle October 20th – October 30th. We're going to have UCLA versus Utah. I'm pretty confident when I say that. I think the winner of that game is going to win the Pac-12. But, again, I've been saying this for years. The only way a Pac-12 team is going into the college football playoff at this point uh, versus Oregon lost is you have to be undefeated. Uh, The the level of quality – is so drastically different from the East Coast to West Coast. They're definitely a tier below. Um, but listen, if a, if a if a team goes undefeated in the, in the pack in the uh, the Pac-12, I think you need to seriously consider putting them
1: in the in the championship game. Yeah, in the game. The game I'm circling is uh, that November 20th matchup, UCLA versus USC. I feel like that's going to be the battle for the Pac-12. There, Utah, um, I think is honestly a little bit. Overrated. I don't love Charlie Brewer. I think a lot of these pieces that they've lost on offense is going to hurt them. Obviously, you know Devin Lloyd's a stud at the linebacker spot, but for me personally, I think you know those games Arizona State, UCLA, those are the two teams that I think uh, pose the biggest threat to USC for the Pac-12. Personally, I think UCLA is going to take it, but you know there's there's very uh, there's so you're, very you're big on USC. You're big on USC, me. then. What's year? up? You like USC? I I like UCLA to win it. I just think USC is probably the perceived favorite right now, uh, really? based on consensus. Okay. Maybe Oregon, tough to say. But UCLA has some tough games. You know, Arizona State. I think up. I think USC. Is, you know,
2: i are definitely going to lose to Notre Dame. Um, I I think they, I think they'll lose to UCLA. And I think they have a you know I think Arizona State's got a legit shot to beat them. Um, and we'll say, I mean, tomorrow we got, they're playing Stanford. It's always a tough game for them. I think USC is a little better. Um, But yeah, I think uh, the Pac-12 is certainly so far two weeks in looking a lot better here than it has
1: in years past. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. And I think that we're going to see some exciting games. You know, UCLA plays Arizona State October 2nd. That should be a good one. And, you know, UCLA also has Oregon, Utah, USC on the schedule. Colorado could even have some chaos that they create with Jarek Broussard in that backfield. So, definitely a very interesting conference to keep an eye on. I think they're going to beat up on each other a little bit. You know, UCLA could very easily come out of the season 10-2 and two and still look like the conference champ. So, it's going to be very interesting. But I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens with the Pac-12 and uh, feeling good about our prediction of UCLA. makes up for our Clemson championship picks.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of makes you uh your Clemson, you kinda of like take maybe they were taking Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson for granted. What they were able to do, you know, coming right into start. Um could be could be tough here at the QB position.
1: Yeah, we I think, is a very talented arm and is gonna have some great games, but I think he does struggle a little bit handling pressure. I think he's a little stiff in terms of just like quickly extending plays. And I think, you know, right now it's very early to kind of analyze him as a prospect, but I think that's something that will come up as an issue for him when it comes time to evaluate him because he needs to be a little bit better at handling pressure, you know, creating, extending plays. He can run. He can pick up some yards pretty decently. But, you know, I think uh, just that overall quickness in the backfield, being able to move around the pocket, I think that's something that needs some improvement.
2: All right, so, Michael, we got a lot of games this weekend. What are you looking forward to most?
1: Yeah, so there's three big games this weekend that I'm excited for, and one team is going to repeat on here, but we'll talk about them later. First game is Oregon versus Ohio State, and when you're looking at this game, there's one guy that I think really stands out to me for the Oregon offense, and that's C.J. Verdell, a running back that really – is going to be a huge part of whether the Ducks can succeed against the Buckeyes or not. I think Verdell and, you know, Troy Die as well are going to really be the backfield that is heavily fed in this game. Oregon absolutely can't rely on Anthony Brown to be passing attack for this offense. So you kind of look around at what is going to happen for Oregon and it, it relies on Verdell. You know, obviously going against a Haskell Garrett, going against a Zach Harrison, going against a Tyreek Lewis, there's going to be not a lot of running opportunities, but Verdell has to be the star. You know, we saw it with Muhammad Ibrahim against Ohio State just last week, and he was able to get things going, and Minnesota was able to stick around in that game. Verdell has to kind of take on that role and really lead this offense if they plan on taking away this game and getting an upset against the Buckeyes. Next player to watch is going to be Garrett Wilson. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, whichever you want to put down, I think both need to have a big game against this Oregon secondary. Mikhail Wright is another guy that I have on this list, the cornerback out of Oregon. I think you know that matchup, whoever he's on, whether it's Olave, whether it's Wilson, is going to be watched all game by NFL scouts across the country because they want to see who is the stud in this matchup. Mikhail Wright could very easily be one of the top cornerbacks selected in this draft. Olave and Wilson, arguably the best wide receiver duo in college football, going to be an extremely exciting game, going to be an extremely dominant opportunity for both Weapons and Mikhail Wright to really kind of establish themselves as prospects. Next game we're talking about is Iowa back on here again after beating Indiana in a dominant fashion against Iowa State, who struggled against Northern Iowa. Iowa State struggles against those in-state opponents. It seems to be a consistent issue. I think they're going to win this game, but it's really tough after the way they performed against Northern Iowa, after the way Iowa performed against Indiana. This is going to be a great game. Players to watch in this one. Brees Hall kind of got shut down against Northern Iowa. They were able to really slow him down and create some issues for the Cyclones offense. Brees was limited to 69 yards and I think that's something that can't happen again obviously if you are the Iowa State Cyclones you are not wanting your star player to be limited Brock Purdy is a legend in terms of just his success but at the same time you can't rely on him to really pass yourself into the victory into dominating games so that's why Brees Hall has to take that next step and really just kind of Just be more efficient in this game in order for Iowa State to really get going. On the Iowa side, for offense, Sam Laporta is a huge player to watch. Had a great game in the season opener against Indiana. I think with his opportunity going against Mike Rose, going against the overall just talented Iowa State linebacker unit, Jake Hummel, uh, Orion Vance, guys are going to be in that backfield. Even Hashim Young at safety, Greg Eisworth. you know, there's just, players all around this inside secondary and linebacking unit that's going to limit what Laporta can do and if he can still show up have a great performance then we're going to start talking about this guy as a legitimate tight end prospect and just another name to the large batch of wonderful tight ends in this class kind of similarly on the other side of the ball we're talking about Mike Rose who's going to have a lot to deal with in terms of shutting down Tyler Goodson in terms of shutting down Sam Laporta he gets a lot of slot work, a lot of in the box work. Mike Rose is going to have to step up in a major way to help slow down this Hawkeyes offense. Both these QBs for the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones, Petrus, Purdy, you know, they have some talent, they have some ability, but I think both are kind of game managers in a sense. And they need these stars to kind of step up their safety blankets of Hutchinson and Hall for Purdy, of Laporta and Goodson for uh, Petrus if either of these teams can shut down those superstars, then they are very much in the advantage to take this game, and that's something huge to watch, and Mike Rose can play a big part in that if he can slow down LaPorta.
2: Yeah, so Iowa State, obviously, they, they have to win this game if they have any hopes of, of beating at Oklahoma to to win the, the conference, so good good part here from Rec to mention the, the Big 12 move, so obviously the expansion of the Big 12, so they're going to we got to try to kick around here and stick around, Michael, as, as a big conference, but it would be tough for any of these teams to really get in the college football playoff until the expansion. But uh, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF are joining. Um, we'll see if maybe some other teams in the Big 12 try to leave and go to the Big 10, maybe um, the ACC. Apparently Pac-12 is not interested in expanding for some reason. Uh, but your thoughts on those teams? I think it's, you know, it's great for Cincinnati, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I think this is absolutely huge for the smaller schools that are getting into the Big 12. And the Big 12 has done a nice job of adding some quality programs to really kind of help keep them afloat. I'm not sure if they're going to remain considered one power conferences, but I think schools like Cincinnati offer plenty of opportunity to have a big enough area to where they can succeed, really grow their brand in a power conference. At least that's what it will be on immediate joining. And they could potentially help save the, the Big 12. I, I do agree that they need to add a couple more schools. I think Memphis would be a great one, especially for what they bring on the basketball side of things. I think the other rumored school was SMU, potentially being in that group. And I think, you know, schools like that could very easily help elevate what the Big 12 will be post Oklahoma, post Texas. But, you know, the additions of Houston, UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, I think all four offer plenty of upside to where they could very well, you know, survive this. And I think you look at what BYU has already done, putting all walk-ons on scholarships with the NIL deals because of the market that BYU has, um, UCF being in Orlando, Cincinnati being in Cincinnati, where they're the other side of the Ohio, you know, they kind of own that area pretty well. They can compete with Notre Dame now being a major school in recruiting, and I think that's huge. And, you know, the recent success both in basketball and football is great. And then Houston, Texas money, great big city, kind of stranded in terms of other big schools around that area. You know, Texas Tech is in East Lubbock. TCU, Baylor, they're in the Dallas area. Houston's kind of all alone. You know, there's Austin for UT Longhorns. It kind of leaves Houston with a great area to be a dominant school. And with Texas money, people are willing to spend no matter what costs – to see success so I think with the NIL deals and with the locations that these schools are at there's definitely a chance for the Big 12 to succeed despite losing some very great schools and great contributors to the conference yeah it's going to be all about Houston
2: you know they in the Big 12 they'll be Texas's Big 12 school um so that's it's good for recruiting wise and Uh, while we're talking Texas real quick, we got to note, of course, that your North Texas team, big win by 40 points this past
1: Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great to see them take on a victory. Obviously, maybe wasn't the hardest of opponents, Northwestern State. Probably not going to be competing for the playoffs this year, but you know, still great to see a victory. Gonna be interesting to see what happens with that passing attack because there were still some turnovers, still some issues for North Texas, but still, you know, a huge win. And who doesn't love a huge season opening win? DeAndre Tory absolute stud, twenty five carries, two hundred forty four yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, someone that I think could be an interesting guy to keep an eye on. In the last game, Texas Longhorns versus the Arkansas Razorbacks to finish off this games of focus for the weekend. Texas players to watch Jordan Whittington wide receiver, who was an absolute stud against Louisiana Lafayette. You saw him just breaking tackles, breaking ankles, making great plays after the catch. And that's huge for the NFL. Now they love these guys that are able to, you know, create separation, but then once they get the ball, create even more with the ball in their hands. And Jordan Whittington did that to the extreme for the Longhorns offense on Saturday against Arkansas, a little bit harder. Jalen Catalon, Grant Morgan, uh, You know, there's just plenty of options in this Arkansas defense that is really going to contribute to their success. Jordan Whittington going to have a tough challenge to, you know, replicate that success no matter who is playing. But I think this is a great opportunity for him to kind of establish his name in this wide receiver pool for the NFL draft. Next player to watch is Ricky Stromberg. And I also have Keandre Coburn on here because this is going to be an Extremely enjoyable matchup to watch. Stromberg, center in this class. Probably my number two center behind Tyler Linderbaum. Keandre Coburn, a very impressive nose tackle. 6'2", 340 pounds for the Longhorns. Both these guys are in for a huge matchup that could elevate either stock. Stromberg, I think, is someone that could very easily go in the first round. Coburn, I think, is someone that's going to be probably not valued at that same level because nose tackles tend to get pushed down, but still could very easily be like a day three pick and an instant contributor to an NFL team. Whoever wins this matchup is going to have plenty of boost for their stock just in terms of overall appeal to front offices. And I think that's why both are in for a huge matchup this Saturday. And as much as we love, the college football landscape, there are some other games as well that you should keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, make sure that you are watching because there are some great games. I think Florida versus South Florida is going to be an interesting one. I really want to see what happens with Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson in that game. Could very easily see a situation where Richardson kind of takes over that Gators job before the season's over. Texas a and versus Colorado, interesting game. Again, Jerry Broussard, Isaiah Spiller. Anaya Smith, Devin R. King. Lots of great running back and receiver talent in that game to keep an eye out for that one. Also, Miami trying to bounce back against a very tough Appalachian State. While Miami is definitely the favorite in that one and definitely needs to get going, it should be a very comfortable team this year outside of that Alabama game. Appalachian State isn't going to make it easy for them to get back to 1-1. One and one.
2: Yeah. Also, I guess I would say the biggest game of the weekend – uh, probably Oregon versus Ohio State. Uh, that's, that should be a good matchup um, there. Uh, Washington's taking on Michigan, so that, that should be a good game as well. Utah has to face a test against BYU. However, BYU, you know, they're still figuring things out here without Zach Wilson. As we mentioned earlier, Stanford-USC. Um, and then me, of course, I'm going to be focusing on Rutgers versus Syracuse. Uh, if they win this game, Rutgers, and they got Delaware next week. They could be 3-0 and heading into the big house where they take on Michigan September 25th. Final week, they have to take on Ohio State. So the schedule is going to get rough, but uh, Greg Schiano is is doing a great job so far. And uh, the recruiting looks like it's paying off. Noah vegil has been pretty solid at QB, and I think this is going to be a powerhouse team
1: in, in five years. It's going to be interesting to see Tommy DeVito from New Jersey, so he might have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder heading into this game against the Scarlet Knights. But yeah, we shall see from the college football landscape to the NFL opening weekend. We talked about it already a little bit with the Cowboys and Bucks, but we have some other great games for this weekend opening up on Sunday. Nick, you know, there are some huge storylines going into this week one with all these great matchups. Which matchups? stand out to you as this is a huge opportunity for a team to kind of prove it if they are going to be good this year?
2: I don't want to say prove if they're good, but, I mean, if the Browns come out and beat the Chiefs in Kansas City, that's a huge statement win right there. Uh, That's the game, I think, other than, you know, obviously you're watching your team you like. That's the game everyone's going to be tuned into Tony Romo is going to be having a cardiac arrest. He's going to be so excited for that one on CBS. But that's 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 a huge statement game right there. Um, I know that I think the Browns will win this game. Um, I know it's a shocker, um, but I think that's that's what I'm looking at there. Um, and I know that you know Monday night, uh, the Ravens Raiders. It's an interesting matchup now because the Ravens. They don't have a running back. Le'Veon Bell is going to come off the practice squad and be the running back. Um, you got Peyton and Eli doing the game, and I I don't know what to think about the Raiders this year. So I think that's a statement game either way, right off the bat. For whoever wins that game, it's going to be like, hey, don't forget about us. Um, I'm still here, and I, I you know I think that's that's something to be to be excited about if you're a fan of either of those teams, you know, you want to make sure you can kind of, you know, say, all right, don't forget about me. I'm still here. Um, So that, that's kind of the, the ones that pop off to me. I know you're definitely excited about the game in Jacksonville this week, the Packers and the saints. Uh, You you're very high on Jameis Winston. I want to see what he's got to do here. What he's going to be able to do should be interesting.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that is a huge game for both sides. You know, the Packers, want to kind of go on this last dance type of tour. And then the saints, they want to prove that they're very much still a competitor in the NFC. If the saints win that game, then I think the NFC South very much becomes a tight competition in that situation that, you know, Winston could potentially get them in a great spot. Another great game that I want to keep an eye on. um, For me, chargers versus Washington football team. I think chargers have to win that game. If they are legit this season, I understand that Washington has a very talented defense, but I think they're going to be a little bit of a disappointment this year compared to expectations. I think they're going to miss playoffs, be a little bit lower down in the ranks than a lot of people kind of expect with Ryan Fitzpatrick being added with Curtis Samuel being added. So the chargers need to go into that game and really kind of establish themselves as a legitimate team. I think, you know, Justin Herbert still has plenty of questions because a lot of people are expecting him to regress back to the mean in terms of some of the analytics of his play. And we'll see what happens. You know, if he continues to be a superstar, then the Chargers are going to be a very exciting team to watch this year. And I think they'll be exciting regardless. Um, I also want to see Vikings versus Bengals. I think that's another game where the Vikings, for me, are probably going to be a playoff team but the Bengals have been this team that's been building and they've been saying, you know, we're getting things situated, we're getting things figured out. And it seems like this is the year that they kind of plan on making that jump. If they want to make that jump, I want to see them really compete with this Vikings team and, you know, at least keep it within a score where this is saying, okay, you know, I think the Vikings are legit, but I also think the Bengals are very much in that game. Yeah. I like the Vikings a lot. Uh,
2: going into this year, narrowly missed the playoffs last year. Give me a, an upset this week. me give me a team you think no one's really thinking is going to win, and they're going to come out and get a nice week one win, and maybe it won't win anything, but um, a team, yeah, you know, a team that you think is probably unlikely to win, but they will.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say. Either, all right, I'm gonna cheat and pick two. All right, okay. I'm gonna say either the Raiders show up on Monday night and upset the Ravens, or I'm gonna say the Lions come out and beat the 49ers. I think the Lions have plenty of opportunity to kind of get things going. I like TJ Hawkinson, I like DeAndre Swift, I think Jamal Williams can contribute in that backfield. I think the offensive line can get things going. The question mark for the Lions is more on the defensive side of the ball. And at the receiver core, if the defense can kind of get things going, then maybe, you know, a few lucky breaks in terms of Deandre Swift, just getting some nice runs, maybe a a ball being misthrown by Jimmy Garoppolo. Then we could see the lions take that one. And I know there's a lot of speculation that the Lions are going to be this bottom five team. I don't think so. I think they're going to be probably still bottom 12, bottom 10, but I don't think they're as bad as people are trying to make them out to be. Jared Goff has a massive chip on his shoulder. So that's one team, but yeah. And then the Raiders, I think there's still plenty of upside there. Henry Ruggs, I expect to have a big year. I think Brian Edwards has gotten a lot of love out of camp. Hunter Renfro, a reliable slot weapon. Obviously, Darren Waller, one of the best receiving tight ends in the league. The offensive line definitely got cheaper and younger, but I don't think that it's necessarily going to fall off much. I think they are still going to find ways to replicate talent because of how well Tom Cable's done in that situation. And on the defensive side of things, you know, if they can figure it out a little bit, you know, slow down the passing attack and really kind of keep Lamar hemmed in, then Raiders could potentially steal that one. Rick says he thinks the Sunday night game is going to be the biggest, the Bears
2: versus the Rams. Uh, That's my upset there, Michael. I'm going to say Andy Dalton leads the Bears to victory over the Rams. Um, Rams first game in their new stadium with fans. I think that – could play a factor in some nerves there. Uh, I think Stafford's going to be perhaps overthrowing, we'll say, to start things off. He wants to prove that the trade was worth it. So I think the Bears could sneak out a win here with Andy Dalton. that will silence the chance of we want fields when they have their home opener. Um, I, 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 you know, people forget Andy Dalton's He's, he's, a, solid, he's a solid quarterback. Uh, he's – you know, he's going to be a backup. Maybe he's the best backup in the league. Uh, I think he could still start here. And um, I'm looking forward to that game. And I think the the Bears have a shot because it's week one there to win. But let's not forget the Bears. Despite everything the tried to do by bringing in Foles last year, they were, in fact, a playoff team. Um, A game here that I am intrigued by, um, which I think is – matchup of two teams I think are playoff bound this year. That's the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Tennessee Titans. I think this is a really uh, close matchup here. Interested to see how early and often the Titans go to Henry with the 17th game. Are they going to just let him run like crazy like he did last year? Is he going to get 2,000 yards again? Or is there going to be a bit of a load management? Because I don't know. I I mean, Tannehill has been really good, but – You know, Corey Davis is the jet now. So, really, you know, are they going to be saying, okay, let's try to go to Julio Jones a lot, uh, you know, early and often here to kind of just get him worked in? Uh, A lot of uh, there is some question marks there. And then, obviously, I think Kingsbury's on the hot seat uh, for the Cardinals. He's got to make the playoffs this year. Uh, They bring in JJ Watt to kind of be the leader. He always gets hurt, but, you know, it'd be fun to see him but it'd be weird to say I'm not in the Texans uniform to start things off. Um, Hopkins, so Hopkins is uh, still there. Hopkins Jones, you know, two marquee names at the Warster year position. So this is a game that I'm going to be paying some attention to for sure.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be very interesting. I'm kind of worried about the Cardinals cornerback unit with Malcolm, Brent, uh, Malcolm Butler kind of stepping away from football a bit, really a lot of inexperience at that spot. And when you're going against, julio jones aj brown even josh reynolds you don't want inexperience for that wide receiver unit i think tannehill could have a very nice day titans i think would be my pick for that one i do think though that the cardinals have some impressive athletes and size guys and isaiah simmons even collins that maybe could answer well against derrick henry so maybe derrick henry doesn't absolutely dominate but i do think that uh Titans are going to dominate in the passing game, and that's what's going to be the difference here. Another game that I feel like we need to talk about, Seahawks versus Colts. Carson Wentz announced to be the starter, going to be back and healthy. What is your expectations for Carson Wentz with the Colts, and do you think that the Colts can potentially pull an upset against Seattle Seahawks in a team that usually starts out pretty hot?
2: Yeah, I think uh, the strategy is probably going to be run the ball with Jonathan Taylor a lot in this first game. Obviously, the, the game is in Indianapolis, so the Colts have a great shot to win. Uh, but you're right, this, the, the status quo for the Seahawks last year is to start off hot and I think they're the best team in football, and then, you know, November comes, they lose some games, and they kind of cool off, and they end up in the wild card. Uh, I think it's going to be something to watch this year in the offseason because I think this might be the end of the the Seahawks. Uh, probably going to like the playoffs, though. I think the, I think the teams are very uh, – equally matched Uh, Quentin Nelson's back. So that's going to play a large factor here. And I think uh, the Colts do have a a good shot to, to win this game.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, the last game, probably the focus of the week for everyone is Panthers versus Jets, the return of Sam Darnold against the New York Jets. What Not much of a return, but yeah,
2: I wish the game was in Jersey. I think this is going to be an ugly football game. Ultimately, I'll go with the the team with the the more experienced coach and the better player. And that's going to be the Panthers or McCaffrey. Um, and you know, Rule did a tremendous job last year. We were both very impressed by him. Um, I think Sam Donald's going to have a bad game. Uh, I think Zach Wilson's going to have a good game, um, but ultimately, I think in an ugly one. Uh, I'll say the the Panthers win this like 17-13, something like that.
1: Oh, actually, uh, for, for my upset pick, I'm going to go Eagles over Falcons. Okay. I'm going to say Jalen Hurts have, has a solid game and uh, kind of quiets the critics a little bit. I'm going to say that the Falcons aren't like that i think matt ryan's going to be good to start out the season and kind of drift off over the course of the year calvin ridley going to be a stud i think this season especially if you're someone in fantasy looking for a guy him russell gage great ads but i don't trust the falcons defense and i think the eagles are going to have a solid offense solid team overall probably still lower tier in terms of just where they're going to be in the overall standings of things but i think they're going to be better than the falcons so i'm going to take the eagles in week one upsetting the Atlanta Falcons that passed over their QB of the future and now might be forced to this year to take one.
2: Looking at the rest of the games here, I'll just give you my predictions for the the weekend. I'll go – I'm going to go Colts will win, the Jaguars will win, Falcons will win, Chargers will win, Bills will win. I like your Lions pick, so I'm going to go with the Lions as well. I don't think they're going to be good this year, but I think we can beat the 49ers. Uh, Vikings to win, Panthers to win. I'll go Cardinals to win, Browns to win. Uh, I'll go with the Giants to win, Packers to win, Bears to win, uh, Raiders to win. The only game I have no clue which way it's going to go because I just haven't seen that quarterback yet, and that's the Patriots versus Dolphins. I know you're very excited for that one. You're going to see some Mac Jones action right out the gate. Uh, Patriots defense is going to be tremendous this year, but so is the Dolphins defense. Flores, Belichick. Should be a great matchup. I think we'll be able to tell a lot about these two teams this season from week one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm just gonna copy you and do that as well. I'm gonna go with the Eagles over the Falcons, Bills over the Steelers, Vikings over Bengals. It's tough. I'm gonna go 49ers over Lions. Just think Jamie holds off the Trey Lance hype for a little bit. Titans over Cardinals, Seahawks over Colts, Chargers over Washington, Panthers over Jets. Jaguar's over Texans, Chiefs over Browns. I'll say Dolphins over Patriots, Packers over Saints, Broncos over Giants, Rams over Bears, and then I will take the Ravens over the Raiders. Now Nick, before the season, you know, kicks off fully, you know, we already got one game in, so you get a little bit of a preview of the Bucs, but let's make our official final Super Bowl prediction and this is this is it for the rest of the regular season. And and you know we'll have one pre playoff for whenever both our teams just completely miss it all together. But right now, you know your your Super Bowl prediction, your MVP prediction, anything else you think you want to include? All right, I'm gonna go with the Packers
2: in the Super Bowl defeating the Buffalo Bills. Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Green Bay Packer, he wins the Super Bowl. MVP. I really want to say Kyler Murray. I like. I think Kyler Murray last year was on a great pace. Um, you know, I think he could get like thirty-five to forty pass touchdowns, ten rushing touchdowns. Um, so I'm gonna get. I'm gonna cheap I'm gonna give you three candidates for MVP: Kyler Murray. I think I think the Cardinals will make the playoffs. Um, Josh Allen, who is probably top-five five quarterback in the league right now. And how could you not say Tom Brady is going to be a candidate for the MVP this year? Um, going to be absolutely tremendous. He's going to have big time numbers this year. And you know what? Uh, if he is even close to leading the league in any category
1: offensively, then he will get the votes. He will win MVP. I'm going to be a little bit boring with my winner pick and I'm going to go with the bucks up until yesterday. I was changing my mind on it. I was saying Packers. I was saying maybe Rams, but I'm going with the bucks. I think they just have too much talent all around that roster. Uh, and I'm going to say they beat the Miami dolphins. I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. saying two is going to just completely turn it around, but I think the Miami defense is going to do pretty well this season. I think two is going to do the job well enough with all the weapons that they have there. And Jalen Waddle will fuller Devonte Parker. I think the opportunity is there for success. And I think Miami, you know, with Brian Flores, I think they're going to make it. So Bucks beating the Dolphins in the Super Bowl is my prediction. Um, MVP, I'm going to go with Dak Prescott. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, last night I thought he looked a little shaky. I think he's not a whole, not fully 100%, but I assume he'll get there over the course of the season. And even last night, you know, throwing for 400 yards, three touchdowns, I think I think that'll do in terms of keeping up his MVP status. Look, tremendous wide receiver unit. Is huge. Tremendous weakness in his division to probably make the playoffs is huge. And then a terrible defense to allow him to collect these stats is absolutely wonderful for his chances. Combine all three, you got a playoff quarterback that is coming off of a great injury. So he has a great narrative with it. And then he's probably putting up like 50 touchdowns at least this season with the extended added on week and the overall just passing attack that the Cowboys have. So I'm going with Dak as MVP. Bucks beating the Dolphins in the Super Bowl and I think we're Going to be in for a very interesting season I'm really excited For it all right now Everyone's been dying for the return Of this
2: segment so we'll announce it right Now Rockman's rookies of the week we'll be Back on Monday um, Who who we think is going to be On that list obviously I think we're Going to be seeing Trevor Lawrence on there Week one because they are playing the Texans But who else are we keeping an
1: eye on Here to see if they can make their prestigious List for week one Yeah, I'm going to say that Trevor Lawrence is going to be one most likely. But I think keep an eye out for whoever does better between Zach Wilson and J.C. Horn. I'm going to say one of those guys probably gets on the list as well. If J.C. Horn puts up a great performance against, you know, a Denzel Mims or whoever he's guarding, Corey Davis, someone, then I think he could very easily get on this list. A little bit of a sleeper pick, I guess keep an eye out for Patrick Jones going against the Bengals, maybe has a little bit of an opportunity to get some work and gets into that backfield. If he can get to burrow once, maybe twice, maybe just get into that backfield and make some tackles, make some pressures. Then Patrick Jones, third round pick could very easily find himself on the Rockman's rookies of the week.
2: Very, very nice there. Uh, Should be, should be good. A good weekend. Um, exciting stuff and uh I think before the season ends Michael we're going to be seeing Raymondre Stevenson on uh, the Rocklands rookies of the League. I think Belichick's going to be
1: mixing him in there quite quite a bit for the Patriots very well could also I think I think we'll see DeVonta Smith continue his uh his stardom in the NFL don't love the Falcons cornerback you know I think AJ Terrell's pretty good but you know, Isaiah Oliver not fully trusting him to dominate on the outside. I think Devonta Smith is going to find some big plays, make some big opportunities, and find himself. That's one of the top rookies for this year.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go Jamar Chase, makes his debut week one. I think uh, Barrow's going to look to him early and often. Um, and you would think Kyle Pitts
1: is supposed to be on this list every week, but we'll see if he can handle the pressure. Absolutely. Well, that is all we have for you here on Destination Draft Day. We want to thank. Ricklington in the comment section and all the viewers here. We want to thank LandryFootball.com for the opportunity to broadcast on their platform. Thank you for everything that you guys have done for us, and we are excited to provide content all football season. Hopefully we will provide better and more content as the season goes along. Look forward to it. Everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy all the football that is coming your way. Take care, and we'll talk to you Monday. Peace.